Everybody, hey, what's happening? What's good with you? Guys, beer, sports. Brad Tash coming to you live from the West Coast, the Pacific Northwest, from Whidbey Island. With me, as always, my counterpart, the Fijian warrior, the bespeckled, bedangled, wild man himself, coming from Toronto, Sean Valancourt. Sean, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. How you doing, man? Yeah, it's closer to afternoon, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Burn the candle at all ends. Look at this. Just I'm telling down you, rear careers and doing this on our side jobs, mornings, afternoon, nights, evenings. So, you know, the 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 big thing right now happening here is that, like, you know, I was bragging to you yesterday at how warm it was here, about sixty degrees. Today it's already negative two uh, degrees Celsius, and it's snowing. Like. <laughs> So, so 60 degrees Fahrenheit and then negative two, and that makes it like 34? No, no, like 30, 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess I did double the, I, yeah. Yeah, well, we're talking negatives like, now. Do you know like you double it and add 30, right? Is that the move? Something like that. But when you're going negative, I don't know how that really works yeah. then at that point. I know in the positives, that's how sort of how it works, but. Yeah, it's close, right? It's, close. Close. It's, yeah. it's hand grenades at that point, right? That's exactly it. I mean, honestly, it's just, oh, yes. That's how <laughs> Sticking I like your my finger. facts, though, Sean. My facts are better at hand grenades. That's just, you know, close count. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, we got a great show this week, Brad. Um, Tell me to, about to, it. Yeah, to be able to have this kind of guest come on, uh, is 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 a treat for us, and I really hope a treat for the fans uh, listening. Uh, we have the legendary Jim Taddy joining us from Yes Guy. This is one of the greatest pioneers in sports broadcasting in Canada. Uh, ended up coming out with him and uh, Mark Hebsher doing Sportsline. This is back in the day before we had you know, the TSN, ESPN that we have now, all the digital content that was out, these guys were sifting through videotapes to give us a highlight reel show for 30 minutes. Yeah, they weren't sifting through videotapes. They were actually cutting on film reels and then went to videotapes and then went to digital marketing. Exactly. Uh, TSN 1050's own Jim, Taddy. They're talking about pre- and post-game Leafs, mid-period guy Leafs. I don't know if that's the right term or not. Uh, pre- and post-game Toronto Raptors. Anyway. And uh, the host of Yes Guy. Between the three of us, we're going to have 50 years of uh, of sports media service in this whole thing. So win-win. This real fun uh, shout-out. We're going back and forth. The best game you'll ever play is a good back and forth. Bodega Brawl. Mm. It's like rock, paper, scissors with a mat. Uh, get your fix in. See those guys, bodegabrawl.com. Find them on social media, Bodega Brawl on Facebook and Instagram. Get your orders in. Tell them we sent you. Uh, I'm sure Andy and the fellas can get your order in the mail quickly i just picked up another one yesterday just to have on hand and give out to somebody so support our friends there are game stores everywhere online get on before the next juggernaut hits you don't want to be behind this game folks hey everybody wow we got mr jim taddy on the show right now he is the host of leafs leafs game night raptors game night yes guy 
Very honored to have him on. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. I was until I appeared here, and all of a sudden <laughs> it took a, a downturn. But nonetheless, happy to be here. Nice to be with Sean and Brad. I always like to say your weekend's going to get better from here, Jim. That's how it goes for us. That's things, it. Things will be looking up in about 20 minutes. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting it off at the lowest of the low. You're just going to climb all the way up after your appearance on Guys Beer Sports. It's perfect. What he said. <laughs> Jim, 47 yes, yes, years, 47 years in sports broadcasting. I mean, this is as long as I've been around, uh, almost. Brad would like to say I'm 55, but we'll, we'll see there. Tell us how you got started and what has kept you going all these years in sports mm. broadcasting. I, I think the easier one is though what what keeps you going. It's the curiosity. It's it's um it's what's next. It's never uh, because I think ninety nine point nine percent of the work I've done is disposable. So as soon as it comes out of your mouth, it's gone. Right? It's not. There's no residual. It's um it's live programming and and it uh, replaces itself every day or every game. So uh, what drives you forward is is the quest to see what happens next. Uh, so I don't I don't really look back. A whole bunch. I have been asked that a number of times. As you get older, people want to know how it started, and quite frankly, how it started doesn't exist anymore. So, um, and when I teach, and I do, I do that from time to time. I always say, "Here's what happened to me," or "Here's here's the road I went down." Uh, do not try to copy this because uh, the road got washed out. It's not there anymore. But take the theory. So I, I was a shy kid, um, and and I wanted to. Um, I didn't like the shyness it was bothering me because I could see that it was um, getting in the way of me doing anything really. So I, I, I thought I would, I had this interest in sports and I liked music. I liked how things sounded um, and how they were presented uh, more so audio than visual back then, because we're talking about 1975 and, and some of the visuals weren't very, um, uh, how do I say this? They weren't very uh, up to date or, or they weren't, they didn't seem to go anywhere. It was, it was generally film and film's restrictive. Uh, it didn't sort of fit the thought pattern I had. My thought pattern was, you know, when I got into television, luckily enough, uh, it was the birth of videotape. Uh, in fact, the first TV station I worked at uh, that was in Halifax, and they opened the, what was the Metro Center, called the Metro Center then. I don't know what it's called now, but it's still around. And I had the guy shoot the opening ceremonies in the opening game, and my boss came up to me and said, you used 3,000 feet. And I went, what does that mean? He said, well, that's your monthly allotment. I said, well, thanks for telling me. Uh, and, he, and I thought, well, how the, how does this work? Like you, you shoot uh, 15 seconds of something and try to make it look like something else? That didn't make any sense. Luckily, uh, videotape was born within a month of that, and then I could shoot whatever I wanted. I just I didn't understand the premise of, you know, the limitations of film. Uh, you know, you had to had to shoot it by a certain time. It had to be developed, and you couldn't really shoot everything because you had an allotment of the number of feet you could use every month, which I thought was just I'm just lucky. If I was if I was born ten years younger or ten years earlier, I would have been in trouble. Yeah, I would have had no career because I didn't. Yeah. My brain didn't work that way, and so I'm, I'm going to bounce around. But but a lot of things that I'll tell you are are how the how the brain works. So that's why this little. This laptop thing here is great because I, I really grew up in the manual world. But when this little laptop thing came around, it's like, oh, now I can do stuff the way my brain works as opposed to the other way. And that's how it was with film. Film was the other way. That's I wanted to see the highlights. And I, and I said, how did you do that? He said, well, we, what we would do is we'd, we'd shoot, uh, we'd, we'd make it, we'd, we'd cut it so it would look like a goal, but it wasn't the goal. I went, 
who cares? <laughs> Why would you do that? So, so, so you know, and this is like seven or eight years into my career. I started in radio, so I'll just go back. And, and as I uh, got tried to get over the shyness, I went to Mohawk College in Hamilton and uh, started in, in Simcoe, Ontario, CHNR, um, and uh, was a newscaster, sportscaster, very shy, and I had to get used to how I sounded. And, and just uh, as you start, it's uh, probably like a lot of other, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if phobia is the right word, but a lot of other things that, that get in your way mentally. As soon as you start to chip at them very slowly um, and take it step by step, all of a sudden, you know, and this is the, probably the lesson in life is things can turn around. Right. You, you push the momentum very slowly the other way, and then it got into I'm challenging myself. And then once I admitted that, then it was uh, excuse me a daily thing to to sort of challenge yourself to go further. So if I did that yesterday, what could I do the next day? And quite frankly, uh, when I got into sports, which was my second job, uh, the, oddly enough, the guy who hired me was my best friend who hired me at, at CHNR and Simcoe. He went to Hamilton. I followed him there. He became the sports director in Hamilton. I, and then he left, and I got his job. So well, that worked out that, well. well. Well, for me, it did, yeah. <laughs> but for, that's the first eight months of my career. Uh, and so what, you know, I'm going to bounce around, but I'm trying to make sense of this. Uh, the morning, morning and afternoon sports run back then would have been uh, six, six thirty, seven, seven thirty, eight, eight thirty nine. So, what is that? Seven, seven casts, and then you come back in the afternoon, which is some sort of punishment, really, because you're up at five, four or five in the morning. You go to work, you go back home, you have a nap, and then you go back in, and, and it'll be like uh, four. 435, 6, 6.30. Uh, so another, let's say another six, six or seven more. So when you're on the air 14 times a day, uh, several things are going to happen there. What you're going to do is, because you're writing your own copy, nobody's handing you the copy, you're writing it, and first challenge is to stay awake in the morning. So I'm a night guy, right? I, okay. I, I was born at 11.15 at night. That, that's the record shows that. And throughout my career at 11.15 at night, I wake up. I go, hey, let's go. <laughs> 10.30, not so, not so sharp. At 11.15, let's go. And luckily enough, my show was at 11.30 on Global all those years. So in the morning, you would write, and then you'd have the battle is to stay awake. So one of the ways to do that is write new copy each time. So, if, so think about this. If you've got seven uh, three and a half minute sportscast, and some of them would be three and a half, some would be two and a half because of the different, the bottom of the hour was tighter. Uh, if you had to rewrite that stuff seven times, and I always did, I never read the same thing twice. I still don't to this day. Uh, if you had to do that every day for a year, think of the difference in, in, in how you would write it and how you would read it in a year. It's phenomenal, really. It's, 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 I don't know how to describe or, or come up with a comparable, but that's just the morning shift. Now you're doing it six more times in the afternoon. So you are writing 13 sports casts a day, and they're all different. And I mean totally different. It's not I'm going to change the word here. You would just throw it all up in the air and do it all over again. Even yeah, though it's, it's the same – yeah, like even though it's the same sports. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Yeah, we're leading, wow. we're leading with this now, and the next time I'm going to lead with this. And, and, it, and it's, it's not just the copy. It's how you presented it. So there were many different tricks I had. Sometimes I would just start with copy. Sometimes I would start with a, a piece of sound. I mean, because I, I looked at it this way. If I'm not interested, how is anybody else going to be interested? Yeah, so that's you know, my, my, one of my lines is, I'm laughing, you're laughing. Yeah. If I'm <laughs> laughing on the air, pre pretty good chance you're going to laugh with me. Yeah, right, that's human nature, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. growing up uh, in my work career, I was in the trades a lot, 
you know, so spend a lot of time on construction sites. And I can tell you, I appreciate that approach because listening to daytime radio and hearing the same thing every 30 minutes is exhausting. It just feels like you're living a groundhog's day. And so oh, it's, thanks it's, for, thanks for yeah. running that out and making that the standard because man, some guys don't and it's excruciating. It's, it's a toot out. Yeah. When, yeah. You, when you're listening to it, here's the other concept is when you're doing any of this, understand there's somebody actually listening to it. So, yeah. so, so you're, you're actually working for them, not for yourself. I mean, that's yeah. just sort of an ego thing that if you think that I'm going to do this and people are going to like it, no, you have to make it engaging. So engaging and entertaining are, are the two goals of any time you're on the air, anytime there's an open mic, just because you want people to listen to what you're saying. I just, I never, you know, I think when I started, there were people that would, um, uh, were very scripted and um, would, uh, I call it talking at people. I, there's nothing I do where I talk at people. I talk with people. I, I, I always say, I don't do sports talk. I do sports conversation. We're, yeah. I'm going I'm to phrase things so, so that you're, you're either going to have a question or you're going to want to hear what happens next. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say, this is the way you do it. Yeah, yeah. You do it your own way, yeah. right? Yeah, th that really rang home for me when we started doing this podcast. It's one of the first episodes we did. Uh, I like to have conversations also. I don't like talking to people necessarily. And someone that I know personally parroted back something that I had said to Sean just in passing. And they told me they laughed about it for five minutes while they were driving. And it was something that I remembered when they said it, but I wasn't saying it for that effect. It was just this natural right. uh, thing that came out. And so... You know, there's well, some, there's a beauty of having a conversation and having other people enjoy it as opposed to talking to somebody. So, well, and the great thing about all these years later is that, uh, I mean, there's, there's, uh, a, an encouragement to be yourself. I mean, why I, I used to always say, why would you want to be anybody else? You have one life, you better live it as yourself. I mean, I, I just never understood. I think maybe at the start, there's a mimic routine that, that people go through to, to, uh, to sort of figure out how to do this, but it, but at some point that should wear off and you should just be yourself because who else can you be? Yeah, there's a way to build confidence and there's a way to be confident. And once you've learned to be confident and just be yourself, there's so much freedom in that and I, you can really tell when someone is. And I think that's mm -hmm. the beauty of conversation, uh, even in just normal life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Jim, in the almost 50 years now that uh, well, since I like you've to, I, since I, 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 gone from 47 years to almost 50. You, you are nasty. <laughs> so in the Sean's almost not great with math, he just rounds up the whole number. Oh, next it'll be, you know, yep. it'll be well, your, your, your yep. 75th anniversary. <laughs> in your almost half a century of work, Jim. You know, I was just gonna say, in, in your half a century of work, um, <laughs> no, so. so <laughs> Somebody oh, yeah. actually said. Somebody actually said to me once. I did this uh, for a friend. The guy wanted to do like a, a school project, and he said, "Well, you spent more than half your life doing this." And I went, "Ugh." Yeah. But now it's like, "Well, it is my life. It's not, yeah. it's not half, or it's not three quarters. This is it." Yeah, but what a what a great job! What a great job! It's not a job. It's just a way of life. I love it. And that, that would you agree that that's the beauty of finding your place in life is finding a career that doesn't feel like work it just feels like that's who you are well that's it that's exactly mm. i mean everything i do is is uh, is me otherwise i don't do it if i if i don't feel I, i'm i'm gonna make a contribution or it's natural to me i'm not gonna do it that's for somebody right. else to do yeah that's, these are all natural occurrences no question about that yeah. right so like in your in your career since you started um what, sports world is, 50 years yeah almost 50 years <laughs> the sports world is, has changed so Everything. immensely right like it's a multi-billion dollar uh business now yeah. it's yeah. uh 
big business. It's cultural uh, awareness. It's all these things. Yeah. How do you think the sports broadcaster contributes to the fans now and contributes to the growth of the market? Like oh, you guys, I, like you're, you're speaking all the time about this. I mean, how are you contributing to this guy? I think it's, it's immense. That's I, 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 it's a what? Immense. I think it's immense. Personally, oh, that's immense. what I yeah. think. Yeah. I thought you said it was a mess. And I thought, well, you put <laughs> some of my stuff. No, no, no it's, it's not, it's, um, I, I would, I don't know that we're, contributing i think we're along for the ride i mean you know the the beauty of doing the raptors and leafs games are i'm there uh processing what's happening in front of me and i'm part of the game i mean there's i don't think there's any higher honor than that um so i don't know that we're contributing we try to you try to make sense of it uh and you try to analyze it but boy i i think any broadcaster would tell you you're just it's a thrill to be there and you're along for the ride yeah, I would say, you know, I watch a lot of the local uh, broadcasts for my local teams. I'll tell you what, being here in the Northwest, you know, Kevin Calabra was the voice of Sonics, and now he works for the Portland Trailblazers. It's like a voice of my childhood. Uh, Dave Neenhouse was a Mariners broadcaster who was, you know, just – I always feel like we're blessed here to have broadcasters that are well-versed, and they kind of just calm – you know, you watch the national broadcast, you're like, oh, man, I'm so glad we have people that are tied in. And I'll watch League Pass and I'll watch some local broadcasters and be like, man, that fan base really could do have a better broadcast team than what we have going. So I think, you know, there's definitely a value in having these local broadcast guys that speak to, you know, where you are and what you're doing and that are intimate with the team as opposed to the national level of where they're just calling a game and maybe a bigger uh, picture look at what they're doing. But uh, like, you know, man, just the local guy that understands what the ins and outs of the team are and the third string guy and what the assistant coach brings that's so valuable for sports fans like Sean and I, because it really roots us in even deeper. I watch games that I don't have any business watching just because I want to see what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's the attraction, right? It's yeah. always, where does this go? Yeah. Well, I, right. I won't leave a game early. Oh, right. I just, I refuse. It doesn't matter what it is. I sat one time in a Seattle Mariners game in 2000 and I don't know, two, maybe 2003. And it was a late September night and they sucked and it was cold. They're down eight runs going into the eighth. Everyone was leaving. And wouldn't you know it, they scored nine runs in the next two innings and came back and won that game in the bottom of the ninth. And it was wow. the most fun that I've had in a ballpark. And it was that solidified for me. You know, score doesn't always matter. You could see something that is historic. Even if it's not a win, you could still see a play or you could see some kind of magic. And so that's what keeps me rooted in there. I have to, uh, I have to sort of uh, shatter an illusion. I watch a lot of games, but when I feel – that it's not competitive, I won't turn the game off. But what I will do is turn the music on. Yes. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll turn a game off. Yeah. I'll turn a game off. I just won't leave it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. By minute is I won't walk yeah, away. But I, I don't, I don't need to hear anybody describing this. It's a disaster. But I yeah. will leave it up, and I'll yeah. put the music on. And like, I don't blast the music, but I, I'll just I, I need something else to keep me uh, sort of uh, involved. Yeah, something right. to keep me engaged, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I I love that. Yeah, it's the live the live version for me is what I won't walk away from. I just would oh, hate to be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting in the parking garage, sitting in traffic, listening to a comeback happen, it would just be yeah. brutally painful for me. Yeah. And, and that's that's the whole reason why I think all of us stay, because you just never know when that's going to happen, right? So uh, my dad, right. yeah, like my, my dad, I remember he would always say, always talk about a Montreal Canadiens game back when he was young, and they were down by four, and then they ended up coming back to win, right? 
So you can't fix it. He was a Montreal Canadiens fan. I don't know what to say about that. But <laughs> well, at some point, you were one or the other. The other's on your head. That's it. <laughs> you know, um, but it's true. I mean, uh, if you were to ever walk away and then you hear it happening and you were there, can't get back in. That's all over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, being there is fantastic because you see the body language. So today on Sports Center, I was watching and um, they had this top 10 list. And, and guess what? The Kawhi Leonard uh, four bouncer was a number one. What a surprise. But I just kept watching it because I was in the building at the time. But where, where I am for Raptors games, I'm up really high. Right. So on, on, a, on a shot like that, you can't really tell what the ball's doing because it's just so far away. You see it and you go, did it drop? Well, of course, everybody's going nuts, so it dropped, but, <laughs> but it, wasn't, it wasn't a clear sight. I just like watching that ball go boop, 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 yeah. and then everybody, no. the, pause, the pause in the broadcast is, is remarkable because nobody says a word for, I don't know, the time frame. I should have timed it, but it, no more than a second, probably I was just going to say like half a second. Yeah, half a and second. And then all of a sudden, like... eruption, boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those that are was... the great moments. Yeah. Like, that leads me into my my final question here, Jim, is that in your We're in your done. Well, we, we might have a little thing coming up for the guests here, a little yes guy, no guy oh. here at the end. But uh, oh well, as long as you've talked to the accountants and paid your fees, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking about Kawhi shot, I mean, you know, you've you've been at some very, I mean, it's sports in Toronto. You've been you've been to some probably covering some really magnificent big games. Uh, do you have a moment or a memory that you would consider to be most impactful in your career? Oh, impactful? I, I don't mm. know about that. I, I, I think that where you – I would phrase it as enjoyed the, the privilege of being there. It was certainly the Kawhi shot was mm. uh, just because that team was – is all teams that win have this have – this, um, I always describe it as what's the difference between winning and losing? Because when your team loses, you, I'm not saying you, but I, I mean, you collectively, we just go through it. We do a CSI on that team. Well, you know, it, it lost because boom, 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 and, and get rid of this guy, which is, I think, totally unfair. But, but when the team wins, what you're going to find is those moments that didn't happen before suddenly happen. So uh, that is, that's, you know, game seven against Philadelphia. And then they go on to, to Milwaukee where they struggled early in the series, but, but with, when you look back on a winning team at the, at the, the breaking point of each series, it just, it goes your way. And when you lose at the breaking point of each series, it doesn't go your way. And then we get into that, that sort of negative analysis of, wow, you know, he screwed up in that play, but it, but it's, there's a lead up. There's a, there's a sequence of five or six different things that lead to that moment. And then the moment happens. So, so that is for me, that's a crowding moment for a franchise that, that was uh, on a build that, that really uh, did proper asset management and traded people out to get the right pieces in. And then you see, like, when you go back to that team, everybody had a role. Kawhi was certainly the guy who did the key things at the key moments in, in literally every game. I used to always say about him was they might be down, especially against Milwaukee, by nine. And instead of going down by 12, he either brought it down to a minus seven or a minus six with either a three or a two or a defensive play that stopped. Yeah. He always stopped it from getting out of control when they were in trouble. Cool. And it was just marvelous to watch. So, so that yeah. tells you, like, I go back to that team because uh, literally everything they did worked. Now, right. all the other you, years. You're the galvanizer. 
yeah, yeah. Team, right? yeah. yeah. but but and he also raised everybody up to a level uh, and it's just it, it, i think anybody who's had a championship team or followed one understands whatever everybody does everything properly and it all meshes together and as i said before when it when you don't win it just doesn't happen that doesn't mean it's an indictment on on somebody's ability it just didn't happen but we, right. we tend to want to do a tear down and everything so i would do that team i would also go back to the 100th gray cup for canadian fans it was uh, in toronto and uh, uh, the argonauts our team uh, had an interesting year where they, they just kept getting better and better um, and when you look back at some of the players and the coaching staff some marvelous people there but it was a great lesson in football because for i want to say probably seven eighths of the season if that's a right fraction uh, there was the offense struggled but the defense was rock solid and right at mm -hmm. the end the offense caught fire and then you just i just like watching things come together and you you'd watch the team and go yeah nobody's going to beat these guys you just i just knew it and, and of course they, they they went on to win quite handily and, and the, the 100th gray cup was was big stuff in canada so i was on a national broadcast uh, and that was just a big a big thrill right yeah that's awesome yeah it's interesting i watch a lot of the ncaa men's basketball tournament and i'll start watching i'll watch games you know, even now early in the season, but I really watch the conference tournaments and I'm looking to see what teams are going to get hot because when you get hot there, you can be like, Oh, that team's got a six gun, a six game run in them, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's not a surprise. And sometimes it's, you know, game one, they come out and just start dominating and they just never slow down and it runs through. And to me, that's the beautiful part of sports is you just never, you know, the David and Goliath is always fun, but it's just watching mm -hmm. a team come together and win. I think that's why we all still watch. That's yeah, I, I think there's two things that, that are really uh, that I really am fascinated by is is the team coming together and going on to win, whether it's a run or or a championship or the emerging star player, the guy who is, uh, you know, new to the league. And, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he has that year and you go, is this for real? And he just keeps going on it gets better and better. Right. That, I mean, the emerging athlete is just really fun to watch. Right. Yes, absolutely. That, I would say, you know, this week we watched kind of a correlation of that happened with Steph Curry and him breaking that three-point record. That was unbelievable. Because it was much watched TV for me being just a basketball fan, watching mm -hmm. it happen in Madison Square Garden. Ray Allen was there. Reggie Miller was there, the two previous record holders. And that place was ready to erupt. And it's always fascinating to me when an opposing team comes in and their player is embraced by the home crowd, almost as if he's their own. Well, let me ask you this, because I, I, I'm always fascinated by this. To me, when you watch Steph Curry, he actually makes that thing look so easy. But the three-point thing has been around for decades. And until Steph Curry made it look so easy, um, I, I've never understood why, why it wasn't better, why it wasn't relied on more. Now, clearly now, with Steph Curry, you better have that in your game or you're not going to win. And I know that when I, when I first started to cover the Raptors, they might have had one guy who could shoot threes. They, they didn't have – that wasn't part of their game. That was Whoa. something that developed over the last five or six years. But, but yeah. again, you know, the three-point thing's been around for decades. Why why did it take Steph Curry to, to push this thing forward? I think I think as Del Curry. Del Curry was such a prolific three-pointer, really. I mean, he was a, he was a perimeter guy. Del, Del lived well, there, his – Well, there were. There were guys yeah. that, that, that would do that. Stockton, right? Right, right. John, well, John Stockton but, with assists. And, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. You're lucky to have a team average five three-pointers in a game. That, that's what yeah. the point is. Yeah, the center it was shooting like, five you, in a game in some offenses. Yeah. You, you had pockets of it, but now if you don't have that in your on your offense, you're not going to win the game. Yeah. You know, it's but it's like changed, it's changed the, the whole 90s. entire – yeah, like it's changed the whole entire area of, of basketball, of the game, because you don't see that 
always going in, going in, going in, you see the perimeter shots. They always want to go for the three, especially if you're down, because that's the only well, way to really come back. It's like, how, how many times do you see it now? A guy goes in the paint and then throws it back. I mean, I'm sure there are old time basketball people who look at that play and go, what are you doing? Jack's <laughs> you know, on the not... TNT broadcast. And he's very vocal about how much he hates today's NBA because the big man is phased out. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a different game. Yeah. yeah. Well, watching, watching Steph Curry shoot. Uh, I, I get the pleasure of watching Damian Lillard shoot. Uh, yeah. he's, yeah. my, he, he's another one that's effortless. Now, you guys have a guy in Gary Trent Jr. who came from Portland in that trade yeah. from Norman Powell. Yeah. Uh, Norman Powell and Gary Trent are both very proficient shooters. Gary yeah. Trent's got some real range to him, too. He's another one that, you know, Fred Van well, see, see, another one. When Norman mm. Powell first came up, I remember that we were doing preseason games and they were saying, you know, well, he's working on shooting the three because he didn't have it. That wasn't part of his game at the start, but now it is. And that, I always found that fascinating that because it's should be such a bit, I mean, it's a sway in a, in a game. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a big time player now. I mean, that's why we had to get rid of him because we just didn't have room in the contract, obviously for him. So it's uh it's Portland's uh, gain, I guess, there, Brad. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't, that was a pretty even trade. I like it. I like Gary Trent Jr. a lot. I like what he brings to the table. He's a cheaper contract as well. I mean, it's uh well, I it's never great. get into that. I, I don't care no. about the cheaper contract. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers don't matter. It's all about the chemistry. Chemistry is what matters. I just I don't I, I think we spend a lot of time on that and I and because I do both sports yeah I, I always find it interesting that the ten million dollars that a hockey player gets is just like people bean count that thing into the ground and ten million bucks in the NBA is like eh. yeah it's peanuts yeah, ten, ten yeah. million dollars in the in Major League Baseball is a relief pitcher yeah, yeah. I know but it's, <laughs> it's it's funny when you go around with yeah the, you know the, the what the money means in different different sports the hockey thing is it drives me crazy it just well it's like yeah. a guy goes around with a slide rule every day you're five cents over you can't do it it's craziness well, i think we hear about it all the time with the media though is a four guys 40 million four guys it's like you know like no at the end of the day is do you win that's it and right yeah. now they look good they look good right now. they do I, they've I personally actually all matured yeah. Speaking of winning, Jim, I wanted to ask you a question. I understand you're a Detroit Lions fan. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what I would like to know is if you feel bum. like Urban yeah, does, does Urban Meyer uh give his firing this week, does that give Detroit a better shot at the first overall pick? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're gonna mangle that. I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I I I mean Lions history is just so I mean, the draft, man, over the years, they never mess up the number one overall, but they don't, they don't know how to build through the draft. It's, it's yeah. really remarkable that you could go through all the things that haven't happened with the Lions, but that's that one, the draft table mangling is just brutal. Uh, the other thing that, that kills me about, because I've followed them since the 60s, and, and I know that their, their stuff goes back 10 years previous to that, but when you look at the Lions' defenses over those years, especially against the divisions they were in, it's like, whoa, guy, like, let's have a defense here. It's tough. I just yeah. don't know. It's well, hard to explain. Especially when you have Barry Sanders. When you have Barry Sanders and you have oh. that offensive line and, you know, a game manager and Scott Mitchell playing quarterback, but their defense is atrocious. You should, yeah. You should be able to win, and especially oh. in that NFL era. I just I just heard Barry Sanders on uh, with Brett Favre there on the NFL uh, network on Sirius XM there, and uh, it, it's amazing how much respect that Brett has for Barry because really Detroit had nothing no but Barry like no, nothing. No. And had, if you think about it, I mean, go back what thirty years they had had a Hall of Fame running back, a Hall of Fame receiver, and and the quarterback will likely end up in the Hall of Fame. But did they have a Hall of Fame anything else? No. 
right? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I think though the Detroit, I mean, they, they got a good coach right now. I think I personally I really think like should be playing. This guy should play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, well, with Brad's question there, that actually leads us into a nice yes guy, no guy moment there. If you want to take a couple uh, of questions. All right. All rights reserved. Yes. Okay. You've, yeah. you've all right. Sean's going to write you a check. Yeah. <laughs> you've asked permission and I've granted it. Go ahead. sir. <laughs> all right. The least woes. It's been a tale of woe these past few seasons. First see round eliminations. Up there? See that picture up there? I do. 67. Is wow. that the last winner? Yeah. yeah. It's autographed. Yeah. It's all autographed except for uh, people that weren't alive when the picture was made. So there's no Tim Horton or Terry Sawchuk. And I don't, wow. I don't think there's a punch in lack there, but everybody else is autographed. Wow. Tim wow. Horton was a part of that championship team? Yes. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sorry, guy. That team was was awesome. I, it I was. was a kid. I remember that team. I believe uh, I'm married. I'm married to a Canadian uh, woman, so her family does no shortage of letting me know how those things work. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great Christmas dinner. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'll eat two th- Christmases, two Thanksgivings. <laughs> it works out pretty well for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think this year is the year that the Leafs punch above their weight class? and at least get to the second round. Oh, yes, Guy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I look at the team, I don't have my notebook in front of me. Let me just grab that. Um, when I look at the team in the forward unit, all kinds of depth there. So, McKayev just came back. Uh, Marner is out. Uh, and the, mm-hmm. the, the, so my only question on the team is uh, maybe a defenseman short. They've got good depth there. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, Muzzin-Hall tandem has struggled, so they split them up. Yep. Um, they had Bogosian last year, who was really good. Uh, so some, I think at some point they have to acquire somebody like Bogosian, and it could actually be on an expiring contract. But I, when I look at this team now, if it was healthy, I would say I, I would only look at maybe a defenseman with some kind of physical edge, but he has to be able to play with the speed that the Leafs play with. So I don't know who that is and what it costs, but if you could give me that guy, uh, definitely second round, probably deeper. Yeah. Okay. Brad, do you have a question? Jim, you just made Sean's ear. He's not going to be quiet about that. Yeah. The rest of the way <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim says, yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear the rest yeah. of the way out. He's going to use it for his ringtone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tweet, tweet you every time he brings it up. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Oh, uh, Jim, great. What I would want to know is, is how do you feel about Scotty Barnes being maybe the best rookie in the NBA this year playing for the Toronto Raptors? Oh, I agree with that. You know, and everybody laughed. But, you know, what we've learned here is, um, you know, and, and Raptors have drafted players over the years where you see the, uh, the the people on the panels just sort of go, well, what was that? But, you know, the one thing that uh, the Raptors are known for here, and, and I would expect that most of the league understands it, their player development is second to none. They've right. got guys in that 905 team, and they've worked with people. Um, so so when, I, I always say this. Uh, you know, and, and I've said it about the team that they have this year on the broadcast is you have to, the one thing you have to admit is everybody on that team that they have now is they're, they're not inherited players. They are their players. They chose to have them. When we're talking about Achua and, and where this could go years down the road, they wanted him. They got him for Kyle Lowry. Uh, and, and so everybody there is there for a reason. Um, their player development is, is off the charts. I think it's the best in the league. And, you know, it's not, um, 
it's not a franchise that's going to have, uh, you know, the, the NBA basically is star driven. And I don't know that the Raptors will ever have that number one overall pick guy that 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 franchise player uh, in terms of, uh, you know, a hall, like LeBron. Right. Are they going to ever, ever going to have a guy like LeBron? Probably not. And I don't know if he would stay anyway, but so they've, they've got some common sense in how they build this team. And, and, you know, Scotty Barnes right from the start is phenomenal. You have to understand, like you could look at his point totals, which are rare, very good, but he's been put in some defense defensive situations. I mean, you, you thought that he might crack or something, but, He's he's been really good. He's he's, he's fun to he's watch. He's a ball player. Oh, he's, he he's is a ball and, player. And he adds energy. Like you, he, there's an energy that he brings that goes right through the floor. It, it's it's fun to watch. So people didn't know what to make of the pick. Uh, you know, I'd look at uh, the, that pick now and go, "You got him number four. He could have been higher." Yeah, yeah not he, exactly in stature or in style, but he reminds me of a young Kevin Durant. Oh, I I think he's phenomenal. This and is... the how he influences the game by not having to have the ball in his hands. I got to watch KD uh, in his rookie year here in Seattle, you know, and watching him live. And, and Kevin Barnes, he really just reminds me of that same going to grow into his body, going to grow into his game with some confidence and go. It'll well, be interesting to see how he shakes out. Yeah, and the other thing is uh, due to injury, uh, he's been playing several positions. Yeah. So it's not just the same role. And that's really how Nick Nurse coaches. He's he's a very fluid guy. So I need you to do this now. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, the minutes he's getting, he's earned. And that's that's how the Raptors operate. If you're not going to earn your minutes, you're not going to get them. Yeah. You know, you said something interesting, and it was how they build in with player development. And I agree fully with you. I think that really worked to their favor with the Kawhi experiment. Yes, it did. When you have that player yeah. development, you have all those pieces. You can gamble on a one or two year almost rental of a superstar and deliver a championship. And if you can't sell, they didn't overpay for Kawhi. I don't know no. if they ever had an opportunity to do so. I feel like they, maybe they did and they just chose to not. And, you know, yeah. right or right, wrong or indifferent, you got a championship out of that deal. I think that was a wise move, but to your point, player development is so key. I think even in today's NBA, if you can just draw talent in for a year or two, you could win a championship. And that well, means look. more of your fan base. You're always competitive. You're always entertaining. You're always doing things. Maybe you're not a perennial favorite, but you're always in the mix. So two, two things that come out of that. Yeah, absolutely. What they did was a proper asset management. They had some really good young players and they, they packaged some of them off. I mean, look at JV. JV for years was uh, kind of an awkward looking guy. Uh, but now when you watch him play, uh, very mature and a great basketball player. Uh, and so they had to move him out. Uh, and quite frankly, when, when you go back to uh, when they first started to get competitive, I didn't like the front court at all. I, I thought, you know, that year Brooklyn uh, just manhandled them on the front court. And, and, and one of the tricks was uh, when they had uh, DeMar, when it was DeMar and Kyle, uh, one of our guys went in the visiting dressing room and saw on the whiteboard ISO ball. So that just <laughs> That's it. Yep. Shut down the front court, and then these two guys. And once we know these two guys, and we'll be able to shut them down, right? So it was a one-dimensional team. Uh, you know, as as good as as everybody looked, it was a one-dimensional team. When Kawhi comes in, it's not one-dimensional. Mm. Um, and there was another point I was going to say in there. I, I can't remember what it was, but um, uh, you know, the, I, I just think that their their development is is superb. They, they've done a really nice job that way. Uh, and and they have said that what they're doing now, and quite frankly, when I watch the team now, is it's like um. Uh, when you're putting a building up, the foundation is there, you know, the structure is sound. So now you're trying to find uh, a situation where you can add pieces as you go along. So even though it might not be a great season for them this year, you, you know that you're looking at, you know, a, a, a sort of a, a, you've got a big building, foundation's good, the walls are good, and we'll just add pieces as we go along. And, and that's really what they've said they're going to do. And that's what they did the last time. They, they pieced it together. 
uh, made the trade, won the championship, and here we go again. I think I think it was it was like they had to make that trade in order to take that next step. I well, mean, there was because the, they were like the Leafs; they kept they kept getting into the playoffs. And in a couple of years, they ran into LeBron in Cleveland. Uh, but uh, I just think that they they didn't have the right pieces. I, I mm-hmm. thought that uh, you know, and and you know, let's let's be honest here; they made a very tough call on Dwayne Casey. You know, he was yeah, he year. was he was a great coach. I mean, he's yeah, not a bad no, coach. There's, there's well, no he, question about one, that. he was coach of the year the following year in Detroit, correct? Yeah, I think. Well, he was, was coach yeah. of the year when he got fired. He yeah, was coach right, of the year right, when he right, got yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was coach of the year, yeah. and then he he got released, and Nick Nurse comes up, and then he coach of the year the next year, wins a championship first year. Um, but the thing yeah, is I that I, he, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jim. I, I don't know if he was the next year. No, I don't think he. Was yeah, no, because the next year they won, so. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like, like Dwayne Casey got fired after that, uh, exit. And yeah. then it was the firing Nick nurse comes in, they make the trade and bang, they, they win it all. Nick nurses was his first year as a coach yeah. that year. Yeah. And, uh, it was unbelievable. And I believe he won coach of the year that year as well. If not, then it was the year after one or the other, but yeah, now you got me looking at all this stuff. <laughs> I, want, I, want to be accurate. I want to be accurate. So let's see, let's just do this. Oh, picture is bad. Uh, but you know, the bottom line is, you know, so you replace him. Nick nurse was 2019, 20 Budenholzer was 2018, 19 Dwayne Casey was the year before. So you were right. Was, was last year. So yeah, that's how yeah. it went. Uh, yeah. I always, so you'll always, when I, when you work with me, I always do this. If I don't know it, I, I look it up right away. That's the, that's the value of this guy right here. So yeah, that's exactly it. I was just I appreciate your proficiency because John, John takes him in. He's looking at the screen. You can hear him typing because he just types like this with one finger at a time. Well, I do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're on your phone. Yeah. We didn't even know you were doing it. It was beautiful. No, I, I, I just stopped because, well, well, look, I don't know about you, but with COVID, you know, because all the seasons have been fractured, if yeah. you tried to ask me what happened in 2020, I would say, I don't know. I got to look it up. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. There's, there's two years and one there. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's, everything's out of sequence. So I, I just can't remember any of it. I got to look it up. But yeah. And the thing about Nick Nurse is, uh, you know, I, I just love Nick Nurse's post game because he'll say stuff and you go, oh, that's fascinating. Like he takes you into the game, very engaging. Dwayne Casey was is a very nice man and was did a really good post game too. But I, I really like listening to Nick Nurse. I just I just think he you learn so much when when he he'll describe stuff. He's uh, off the cuff. You don't get very many people like that. Yeah, you know, it's nice to have coaches that way. Though yeah. I think those are always the enjoyable. We all have the coach that yeah. doesn't do that right, and that's always yeah. This yeah, well, some of them get defensive, which is bad. Yeah. What did you think of Winnipeg's? repeat victory there the great cup there oh the great cup well the better team wins i thought yeah. hamilton had an opportunity to win that game but they they made some key decisions that uh, went against them the knee yeah single point knee i have to explain that for the americans single point knee and um and there was a play in the third quarter where they were third and two three downs third and two at midfield and they went for it and they went why it's the third quarter. Why? Yeah, Jim. I grew said, up. Uh, I grew up in a little place called Whidbey Island. It's about thirty-five miles south of the Canadian border, and so 
you know, before TV was TV, I got four channels. I got the local channels and I got CBC. So I've grown up watching CFL and hockey. And uh, you're, you're you know, old school. And you had yeah, to, I had to Sean, Sean had explained the rules to me, but you, know. you, had, you had to walk across the room to turn the dial to change oh, yeah. the channel. Didn't you? Yeah. See, yep. now, try and explain that to somebody. <laughs> well, my dad was on the TV, turning the, you know, turning yeah, the antenna. The rabbit yeah, ears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm the original oh. remote control in my family. That's how it works. I was the oldest, the first one to come through. I was the first channel changer. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you'd find this is this is how how strange the business was. Uh, so big CBS Sunday night guy because we nobody wanted to get up and walk across the room and turn the channel. And and, and to CBS's credit, they didn't give us a reason to turn the channel. Yeah. That's always good. There we go. Just, uh, this past weekend, I have, I have five kids, Jim, and, you know, they're all school-age uh, children. And this weekend, I had to explain to them that, you know, when I was their age, I only got oh. cartoons on Saturday mornings for a couple yeah. hours. Yeah. And the rest of the time, I just watched what my dad wanted to watch. And they were just appalled that that was ever, you know, <laughs> That's how we got into sports, though, Brad. That's how we got into sports. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'll, just, I'll give you one story, then I got to fly. So yeah. I, I do teach, and, and one of the courses was sports history, and we did, and, and, and so it's you have to go back. And I always warn students if you're going to go back, you can't look at it as it is now. You have to do a, a deconstruct and remember what was available at the time. So it was the Rocket Richard fight uh, against the Boston Bruins and why he got suspended and, and all, of, uh, all of that. And so they, they, a lot of people wrote, it was a 500 word essay they wrote on it. And I said, most of you students did not tell me anything about the official that he hits. And you're telling me it was a referee. Well, it's a linesman always breaks up the fight. And, and I said, uh, you know, for your generation, not to understand that all you had to do was Google it is beyond me. If that yep. was my, see all those books back there. That's how I used to do all my research. Was you, <laughs> you'd find part of the answer in one book, then have to go to the next shelf. To, you have to piece together the answer. So right. I said it was a linesman who lived in the Boston area because local, they had local officials. You know, we're talking yeah. about, you know, yeah. 100, not 100 years ago, but, but you know, 60, 70 years ago, we're, we're talking about. So, and, and, and he played at one point. So maybe, maybe the Rocket knew the guy and, you know, so, I mean, that's a big yep. part of the story, oh, yeah. right? And, and nobody went near this. Well, he punched an official. Well, could you be a little more oblique? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm trying to teach my kids that research button now. We call it searched up in my house. And every time they yeah. ask, they search it up, give me, like, let's talk about the details. Details yeah. always matter. Jim, yeah. we know your time's uh, short. We got, we appreciate you. It was an honor talking to you. Uh, we thank you for your time and for, and for blessing us with your presence. It was a oh, thank you very much. Thanks. Hi, everybody. And goodbye, everybody. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> Thanks again, Thanks. Jim. Okay, bye-bye. You've listened to the podcast, but now it's time to visit us in our virtual sports bar. Get all of our info at guysbeersports.com, where you can find all the ways to connect with us. Watch for live conversations with Brad and Sean that happen throughout the week and join in with your favorite local beer. You can share your thoughts in the conversation comments with your own uploaded videos, or even join us as a guest live commentator. The GBS Virtual Sports Bar is open for business. Come on in, boys and girls.